Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I mentioned this last week, but... I've been waiting to do these Halloween episodes for a while, so this is another one that I am just so excited to finally be covering, because this is probably one of the most historically rich plants ever, and it is very spooky. From the title, you can see that it's the Mandragora officinarum. And before I dive into this plant, what it is, and all of its history, I promised that I was going to share a Apple podcast review for a giveaway winner, as well as someone who had answered the Spotify question, so from both platforms. So over on Apple Podcasts, the username for today's giveaway winner is OK, It's Emma. And she said, late to this plant party, I'm a newbie listener, but uh, where have I been? I'm late to the plant party, obviously. I'm a certified plant killer, and this podcast has already taught me so much in the few episodes I've listened to. I feel as if, after listening to all the episodes, I will be a pro-plant lady. So thank you for sharing this amazing knowledge with us. Thank you so much, Emma, for your sweet review. Go ahead and email me at tinnyplants, T-E-E. N-N-E-Y plants at gmail.com and we will get you all set up with your free plant and then over on Spotify someone who has answered the question the little trivia question on the last episode if you want to win the next giveaway which I will be doing very very soon then go ahead and leave an Apple review if that's where you're listening or you can answer the question on Spotify if you are listening over there and you will be entered in automatically so on Spotify today's winner is rivers.hl. And they answered the question correctly, which was why a plant might turn pale or lose its color. So we were talking about black plants in the last episode. And anyways, he answered correctly that it might not produce as much chlorophyll if it's not getting enough sun. And that's right. It, it can lose its color that way. Rivers, if you are listening, go ahead and email me at tinnyplants at gmail and I will get you set up with a free plant. And I do quickly want to shout out the supplier of these free plants who has so graciously offered to come in and support the Plant School audience. So I wanted to give them just a quick shout out for their generosity. I mentioned this in last episode, but it's a local to me mom and pop shop that is just breaking onto the scene in the online world. It's super exciting for them. So if you could check them out, give them some love, order some plants from them as they are just starting out. Their website is onlinegardencenter.store. And if you go there, you can see their selection of plants. I also mentioned in last episode that they are adding to it every day. But if you could support them, give them feedback, you would really be helping out this local greenhouse. I just want to say thank you guys for all the support, not only give to this podcast, but also to the people that help this podcast keep going. All right, let's dive into the meat of today's episode starting with the simple question of what is Mandragora officinarium. Its common name is a mandrake, and if you're a Harry Potter fan, that gives you a pretty good idea of what this plant may be. 
It's a plant that has a root system that resembles a human figure. So in Harry Potter, I'm really hoping that you've seen the movies. They've been out for so long. But it's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. They pull out these mandrakes and they shriek and cry. And if you don't have proper protection, it can cause you to die. So they're all like wearing earmuffs. And I think it's Neville Longbottom. He passes out from the screaming of these plants. They're trying to repot them and they're they're all screaming as they are trying to repot these little mandrakes. Obviously, that's not something that actually happens, but it was a common thought back in the day. It's super interesting. We will get into that. So mandrakes are highly variable perennial herbaceous plants, and they have these long, thick roots, almost no stem at all, they stay very close to the ground. They have beautiful purple flowers, and I've read that they smell really good. I've never smelled one myself, but these plants, they are from the Solanaceae family, which a lot of plants in the Solanaceae family are very poisonous, and this one is no different. The mandrake is very poisonous. Other common names besides mandrake is the herb of Circe, mandrake root, devil's testicle, Satan's apple, sorcerer's roots, wild lemon, and witch's mannequin. There's a lot of common names because they've been involved in the history of humankind for so long. This plant is very chemically active, if you will. They contain tropane alkaloids that can cause hallucinations and deliria. And if you're unfamiliar with whatever a tropane alkaloid is, it's basically a class of chemical with a tropane ring in their chemical structure. And some really notorious tropane alkaloids are things like cocaine and scopolamine. And due to this chemical being in the mandrake, it's been long associated with magic rituals and even present-day contemporary pagan traditions. The English name of this plant derives from Latin mandragora. In German, it is known as alarune or alrune or elfrune referring to the plant's folkloric ability to impart wisdom, and certain sources cite the name as being Pizdivsh. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it translates to brain thief, and it claims that the plant grows from the brains of dead thieves or the droppings of those hung on the gallows. I feel like everything I've talked about from just its name and where it came from and its chemical structure is all going to tie into its history and how deep it is. Before we get there, I want to talk about what they symbolize. There's a lot. Since it's been around for so long, there's been a lot of symbolism tied to it. So symbolically, it can mean an uncommon thing, horror, rarity, scarcity, screaming, and wickedness replacing love. And I also looked into its possible powers. And because this plant again is entrenched in history, it's entrenched in magic, there are a lot of possible powers. Here we go. It is known for being an aphrodisiac, being used in black magic, has the power of caution, conception by way of spell casting, death, exorcism, faith, fertility, health. We are going on both sides of the coin here. Illumination, initiation, learning, love, lust, magical power, money, potency. It can promote conception, promote passion, promote sterility. Again, both sides of the coin, we got conception and sterility as being possible powers. Protection, 
prudence, self-preservation, sorcery, sound judgment, sudden death, wisdom, witchcraft, and witchery. So many possible powers with this plant. Mandrakes are native to Mediterranean areas in Central Asia. Also, I should mention that though I'm mostly focusing on Mandragora officinarium, there are other types of very popular mandrakes, and their histories kind of web together. But for the most part, we are just focusing on Mandragora officinarium. So let's get into it. What is their history? The mandrake, according to an ethnobotanical study that I read, it is perhaps the most famous medicinal plant in Western culture throughout written history. So let's buckle up, let's get into it. It is first found sculpted in various Egyptian tombs, and its healing powers are even mentioned in the Eber papyrus from 1500 BC. Ancient Greeks have been recorded using the mandrakes as an incense, and it is actually even found in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 30 verse 14, it talks about mandrakes when Reuben, who's the eldest son of Jacob and Leah, he finds mandrakes in a field, and Rachel, who is Jacob's second wife, she wants to barter for them to help cure her infertility. And there is some debate that the original Hebrew word was meant to be the opium poppy, not a mandrake. So that is up for debate. But still, if you read the King James Version, which is the version I'm most familiar with, it says mandrake in that version. Mandrakes are also mentioned in Songs of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 12 through 13. So if you want to go pull out your Bibles, you can find mandrakes in there. Mandrakes are also mentioned in the Odyssey. The Odyssey, as you probably know, was written by Homer around 700 BC, and it's mentioned when the Greek enchantress Circe used Mandragora in a brew to turn Odysseus's men into swine. And when I was going through common names, one of them was the herb of Circe, and that is where that name comes from. It was because it's mentioned in the Odyssey. Moving on in its history, not too far along in its history, Josephus, who was a Roman Jewish historian and military leader in 37 to 100 AD, he wrote directions for how to pull a mandrake. So this is what he wrote. He says, a furrow must be dug around the root until its lower part is exposed. Then a dog is tied to it, after which the person tying the dog must get away. The dog then endeavors to follow him and so easily pulls up the root, but dies suddenly instead of his master. After this, the root can be handled without fear. And this is because there was a lot of folklore surrounding if you pulled a mandrake out, it would scream and it would kill you. And this idea of using a dog that was first written by Josephus, it's mentioned again in relation to mandrakes pulling out ceremonies in Iran in the 6th century, Syria in the 12th century, Uzbekistan in the 13th century, and it just keeps going in all these Middle Eastern countries with Hindustan, Dagestan, Armenia, and also in Iran. And the reason why this whole tale of these plants screaming, it probably came about because it was highly sought after in their native Mediterranean habitat, and it was a tale that they told to protect the mandragora from theft. 
So they said that the plant, it embodied a demon because it looked like a tiny man, its root does. And so if you pulled it out of the ground, it would release this terrible shriek. And if you hurt it, you would die. So because of this, people would tie the roots to animals, to a dog, to a horse, and they would have the animal pull the root out of the soil. And of course, this is how Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets kind of pulled from this old, old tale. Way back in about 100 AD, they took this folklore and J.K. Rowling implemented it into her story writing. And around this time, it was also described by the Greek physician Dioscorides, and this was around 60 AD. And he wrote about how the root was a hallucinogenic and a narcotic, and it was suggested to be used to induce a state of unconsciousness and was even used as an anesthetic for surgery. Today, it is very rarely, if at all, used in modern medicine. So after this, this is a lot of like very ancient history, biblical history. We're getting more into the Roman times. And from Roman times and onward, is where the Mandragora history really takes a turn to being associated with magic and witchcraft and the supernatural. It gets really spooky, kind of creepy to be honest. We're going to take a quick break here and when we get back we'll dive into all of that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back and let's get into this spooky history. To be honest, after researching this, I was doing it late one night and I'm like, I'm going to have nightmares and I got to be honest with you guys. It doesn't take much to creep me out and spook me out. I'm not super into this kind of stuff. So you might listen to it and be like, oh, this is nothing. But for like a history of a plant, I thought this got pretty dark. In the 11th century, Hildegard von Bingen stated this. They said, The mandrake takes on and holds the influence of the devil more than any other herbs because of its similarity to a human. So already we're setting the foundation that this plant is evil. It looks like a little man in the soil, therefore it's got some bad juju. In medieval times, mandrakes gained support for helping with fertility due to the medieval doctrine of signatures, which, if you're familiar with, it's this idea that God provided all plants with a sign indicating their value. So if a plant resembles blood, it's going to help with the blood in your body. If a plant resembles reproductive organs, it's going to help with your reproductive organs. And so since the mandrake 
it looks very similar to a man, and sometimes the roots also resembled a man's appendages. They thought that this could indicate that there was a reproductive power, and many people would actually sleep with mandragoras with them under their pillows at night to help with this, to allow them to have good reproductive health. During the medieval times, it was also considered a very key ingredient in many recipes for potions and brews. So most famously, the mandragora was used for a potion called witch's flying ointment. And this was basically a hallucinogenic ointment, and it was thought to be used to help witches fly to gatherings with other witches, or it could help you meet with the devil. You would put on this ointment and it would let you meet him. And it was also used with other traditions that basically all kind of revolved around the devil. And just to illustrate how crazy some of these recipes could be, and I'm saying crazy because to me, I'm not super involved in like pagan witch recipes. Maybe you are and you think this is normal, but for me, this was a little jarring. But this is an excerpt from a book called The History and Practices of Magic. It was written by Jean-Baptiste Pitos. He was a French author later in the 1800s, but he described a recipe that could be used. This is what he wrote. He said, Would you like to make a mandragora as powerful as the homunculus? Homunculus is a little man in a bottle. So as powerful as the homunculus, so praised by Periclesis, then find a root of the plant called Byrony, which is the English mandrake. He says, take it out of the ground on a Monday, the day of the moon, a little time after the vernal equinox. Cut off the ends of the root and bury it at night in some country churchyard in a dead man's grave. Here we go. For 30 days, water it with cow's milk in which three bats have been drowned. When the 31st day arrives, take out the root in the middle of the night and dry it in an oven heated with branches of verbena. Then wrap it up in a piece of dead man's winding sheet and carry it with you everywhere. I don't know, something about drowning bats and milk. And also putting a root in a dead man's grave. Just, uh-uh. Nope. Not my jam. But let's move on. William Shakespeare, he writes about mandrakes many times in his plays. He uses it in Anthony and Cleopatra, Othello, Macbeth, Henry IV, and in Romeo and Juliet. So you can see that it was widely used culturally. William Shakespeare was not the only author putting these plants in his books. There were other authors that would also write about mandrakes and kind of expound on their powers and add to its folklore that, to me, honestly, the folklore already is getting a little bit out of hand. But they were used to make amulets, which were believed to bring good fortune, cure sterility, along with other powers. Eventually in Europe, the church started to frown on the practice of using the mandrake for powers and even used this idea to condemn Joan of Arc in 1431 by saying that she had a mandrake about her person and that, along with other accusations, got her sent to the stake where she was killed. And in the 1600s, a myth began to spread that the mandrakes grew from the ground contaminated by human blood, urine, or semen and could be often found at the foot of a gallows. 
and this idea was likely spread from two possible sources. The first one is from a physician and botanist. His name was Otto Brunfels, and he was around in 1532. So it either came from him when he wrote about it, or there is a legend that Prometheus, who was condemned for theft, he had a bit of gore, that's how they describe it. His gore dripped to the ground, and a flower sprang up, and it was thought to be a mandrake. So either it's from the legend of Prometheus or from this physician Otto Brunfels. Either way, it's very popular in folklore, and this idea made its way to the literature of that day, such as The White Devil by John Webster. He wrote this line. It says, Wilt sell me 40 ounces of her blood to water a mandrake, making the assumption that mandrakes thrive on blood and bodily fluids. Which, of course, they do not. Don't be confused that they might, because they don't. In German folklore, they would form mandrakes into these little idols and consulted them as oracles. They also came to be identified with the Allrune, which was a devilish spirit and a magic root in human form, who, when you would question this little root man, it would reveal all secret things touching welfare and increasing possessions, enriching you, and removing all enemies. It would bring blessings on wedlock, and it would double every piece of coin laid under your pillow at night. And these ancient thoughts, these ancient rumors and folklore tales, they have all persisted to this day. Various people believe different things about the mandrake. It's still used in witchery today or in pagan traditions. And in 1908, which is, of course, not super recent, but more recent than everything we've been talking about so far, there was a man employed in digging a neglected garden. This was over in the UK. And while he was doing this, he cut a large root of white byrony, which is the English mandrake, and he cut it with his spade he saw that it was a mandrake, he ceased to work at once, and said that it was awful bad luck. And what's really sad about this tale is that before the week was out, this man actually fell down some steps and broke his neck and died. Which I'm sure just fueled this superstition even more. There's another superstition that if you bought a mandrake, you had to sell it before you died, and you had to sell it at a lower price than what you had paid for it. If you had received one for free, then you in turn would never be free because you would be in the grip of the devil. There's actually a 19th century occultist and ceremonial magician. His name is Eliphas Levi, and he suggested that the mandrake may actually be a hint of where man came from. This is what he wrote about the mandrake. He says, is this root the umbilical vestige of our terrestrial origin? We dare not seriously affirm it, but all the same, it is certain that man came out of the slime of the earth, and his first appearance must have been in the form of a rough sketch. The first men were, in this case, a family of gigantic, sensitive mandragores, animated by the sun, who rooted themselves up from the earth. This assumption not only does exclude but on the contrary, positively supposes creative will and the providential cooperation of a first cause, which we have reason to call God. So basically, he's making the tie that God had to make some rough sketches of man, and perhaps 
the mandragora is one of those rough sketches that still exists and could be kind of like a primeval ancestor of humans, if you will. So yeah, there are some interesting ideas around the mandrake. In more modern history, the mandrake actually inspired an American strip cartoon called Mandrake the Magician, and this was created in 1934, and it was published in the Sunday Telegraph. It's actually the first super-powered crime fighter, and this was before the days of Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man, so it gets the title of being the first super-powered crime fighter, Mandrake the Magician. You can even look up the different comics that were written. They still sell books and comic books called Mandrake the Magician. You can find them on Amazon, different things like that. There were a few different versions that were written, but the original began in 1934. And just so you know, it's not like a man that looks like a root going around. I think it, it it's like an actual magician. He's got his black cape and his top hat, and I believe his name is Mandrake. But we can make the assumption that this comic was probably heavily influenced by the rich history of the mandrake being involved in magical practices. You can grow them yourselves, and in just a second, we will get how to like care for them and if you wanted to grow one yourself. But if you want to go see one, probably the most famous places you could find them are in the Poison Garden at Almwick in the UK and in the Bonifront Herb Garden in Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. They also grow them there. But like I said, you can grow them yourself. So this section of how to care for this plant, it's going to be a little bit shorter than usual just because the history was so rich and also the mandrake isn't normally kept as an indoor plant, though some people will grow them indoors. A lot of people grow them in containers and they will bring them in during the winter months. But they do grow really well in zones 6 through 8. So if you live in that growing zone, you could grow one outside. They tolerate some shade, but they do like full sun. They bloom in spring or fall. And honestly, what a super interesting plant to grow. So let's quickly go over how to care for them if you are interested. So when it comes to watering them, they need a very well-draining soil that keeps them from staying overly wet because they are prone to root rot. So a sandy soil, its lighting needs, like I mentioned, needs full to partial sun. They do go dormant in the hottest parts of the year, so just expect that in the summer months, your mandragora will go dormant and look like it's dead, but it's not. It's got a big root under there that is keeping it fully alive. Too cold of a location can stunt its growth and kind of slow it down. When it comes to fertilizing this plant, they are actively growing in late winter, and like I mentioned, they're dormant during the summer, so fertilize in the winter when it's growing and doing well. Some people recommend only fertilizing simply once a year with a balanced fertilizer like a 20-20-20 or a 10-10-10. When it comes to repotting and its soil needs, they prefer a very deep soil because they have that big tap root and they need a soil that's sandy that drains the water well. And the soil also needs to be loose enough to allow the root development and allow the tip of the root dig deep into the soil. 
the roots can actually get as deep as four feet. This is kind of why it's a little bit tricky to grow them indoors. You, you need really deep pots to keep them happy. So that's why most people just grow them outdoors. But again, it's not impossible to grow them indoors. Because of this long taproot, you don't really need to repot it because the long taproot does not like to be disturbed. So you don't have to worry about that. Another thing you don't have to worry about is pruning it. There's no pruning that's really needed. However, these plants can be propagated in multiple ways. So they can be propagated by their roots. This is actually probably how you would come by getting one since you don't often find them as potted plants at nurseries. Though when I did a quick Google search, you can buy them potted. But to propagate by root, you take a cutting from a mature plant that's at least three years old in the fall or winter. You take a piece of the root, you replant it, you replant the parent as well. But the cutting, you're going to put it about two inches below the soil surface. And from there, it will eventually send out a new shoot that will pop up above the soil. You can also start them by seed and they'll need cool temperatures to germinate in a fridge or you can have them outside and then you will place it in a sunny windowsill. They take about two weeks to germinate and using a grow light is recommended once they sprout. Just keep in mind that it can take two years for a mandragora to mature, to bloom and produce berries and it is recommended if you start them by seed to do so in a biodegradable pot so that you don't have to repot them because that taproot is very sensitive. Moving on to pests, they aren't really prone to any. There's not very many that bother the mandrake, which is nice. Only thing that does is just snails and slugs. So to get rid of those, you can do, use diatomaceous earth, you can use a vinegar trap. There's all sorts of ways to get rid of slugs and snails and control them. However, they can get fungal diseases if they are kept in cold, wet soil, which is why they like sunnier places. Maybe a little bit of shade is fine. And also in soil that doesn't have a lot of clay and is more sandy and well-draining. That will keep those fungal diseases away. So other than that, they are pretty pest-free. And lastly, I just want to go over some extra care tips when caring for a mandrake. They are super poisonous, as we have learned. You know, they cause hallucinations and deliria. So you want to be very careful with kids and with pets. It's even recommended to use gloves when handling or gardening with them just to be on the safe side so that you aren't ingesting this in any way and causing any adverse effects. Some of those adverse effects from that high alkaloid content besides the hallucinations and deliria it can cause asphyxiation, vomiting, diarrhea, blurred vision, dilated pupils, dry mouth, dizziness, and hyperactivity. So definitely all things you probably don't want to be dealing with. So just be extra careful if you decide that you are down to grow a mandrake. Honestly, one of the coolest plants that I have ever researched, I feel like I could probably do a whole series on this plant because the history just never seemed to end. There was just so much folklore. And yeah, a lot of them were really kooky, a little dark, but just so interesting how this plant has been involved with humankind for so long. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you learned something new. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant School Podcast Day, and I hope you will join me in two weeks for a brand new episode.